0: Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The NBA playoff second round looks to find some drama. The olds look to change college football and name, image, and likeness. Baseball continues to heat up on the other side of that coin. But we start in an interesting place. We start in a perfect place for a show titled The New Report, Old Report. Al being the older portion of this equation, me being the younger portion of this equation and folks saw something similar play out on national television on ESPN's first take. When Chris Russo, colleague of mine, someone we both met, humble brag, squared up against Duke legend and now NBA broadcaster, JJ Redick.
1: Legend a bit strong.
0: He scored the most points in Duke history. He's a legend. Numbers in the rafters. He's a top five Legends? player all time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Christian Leitner's a legend. Oh, JJ Reddick, a legend. Pardon the interruption. Pardon the interruption.
0: That's a different show on ESPN. A little bit later in the afternoon. Chris Russo and JJ Reddick square off in a discussion about Draymond Green, where Mad Dog takes the stance of basically enough of the shenanigans, Draymond, just go out and play, enough already. To which JJ Reddick took umbrage with about how popular... Draymond Green is with fans and NBA fans at that with his podcast with how open he is whenever he discusses the NBA when he's on TNT with the guys he's kind of become a statesman for speaking openly about the league and about play and he'll even record a podcast after a game you'll get his first reactions to stuff right after it happens saying that we need more of that we don't need the old fans the let's hearken to the back in the day fans who were worried about how the game was then He's more concerned about how the game is now, and they got a little tiff. Well, that's perfect for our show, because to no surprise, one person on the show sides with Chris Russo, and the other person on the show sides with JJ Redick. I'm sure you all can guess who that is. And now we get to talk about it. I leave the floor to you. It's good to hear from you. Hello to our listeners as well, to speak in regard of, one, Christopher Russo and his point that we got to hear on First Take.
1: Well, folks, it's great being back with all of you again, all our listeners, uh, and my partner, the great John Tiny Elon. Look, th- this wasn't just about the new report and the old report. This was about you know the young hotshot trying to you know impress, trying to embarrass the old guy to the point where it was incredibly disrespectful to both him, me. People of my ilk, the way he talked, not to, but at Chris Russo with this notion that what Chris Russo said was in some way, shape or form analogous to when, you know, that ultra right wing, rich, conservative, racist bitch, Laura Ingram on Fox News told LeBron James that he should just shut up and dribble, which was really a condescending Attitude towards athletes, if you want to say athletes of color, go ahead and, and take it to that length as well, which I have no problem doing. When she wanted to hear, okay, from one Drew Brees, who happens to be Lily White, but the, the point being, russo's remarks were in no way, shape, or form analogous to what she said or anyone else on Fox News. They weren't racist, they were colorblind, they were meant in one very simple vernacular. Enough already, enough of the clown show. We understand what you do. We understand how good you are. Some people like the way you play, some people don't like the way you play, but all you ever do is bitch. And it doesn't matter whether it's him, whether it's Luka Doncic, whether it's Bill Lambert in years gone by, Chris Paul, all anybody ever does is bitch at the officials nonstop. Nobody ever gets a, gets a fuck. Play the game. But there's the hot shot. There's your old dookie-pukie boy, mister Noda, who I like, who I happen to think has got a lot of good things to say, and it's very bright. I was a terrific college player, wonderful three-point shooter, decent pro. But like I said yes this morning to Frank Ayazola, if it weren't for a three-point rule, you would have the same pro as Rick Mount, plain and simple. Look him up, folks. He is standing there on the show and saying, I don't care about the old guys. I don't care about old fans. I don't care about Will Chamberlain, Bob Coot. They played against Plumbers. Okay, well, hot shot. You know, what makes you so great? Because you could knock it down for behind the three-point line? Go in there and bloody nose lane where those guys played. Those guys played. Take trains to games like those guys did. You know, well, they're fossils, etc., etc. This notion that he doesn't care is a snap in my face. And it's a slap in all those guys' faces who made the game so he could play in it. But this notion that they don't matter, that all that matters is, not, is the here and now and Draymond Green and people like him. care okay, if he's got a podcast? Chris Rusevich is got a podcast. Chris Ritchie doesn't care about his freedom you know, that he speaks out. He's nothing about freedom of speech, what he does off the court. Chris Rusevich was talking about the clown show that he often is on the court. And that we get tired of the antics. You're the guy who need LeBron James in the balls. You're the guy who cost his team, in all probability, a three-peat by getting kicked out of that game and kicked out of the next game. Okay, you're the guy who goes through these shenanigans. That, yeah, so it's part and parcel of his personality and what makes him so. You know what makes him so great? The fact that he can play that way because he plays with Steph Curry right, and he plays with the other Splash Brother, all right, Mr. Thompson. If he was on another team of hacks. Right, of mediocre players, he'd be Patrick Beverly playing forward. That's what he would be. But because he's on a team with great players, which he can take advantage, and they can take advantage of him, and the things that he does well, but they make him so much better because he has a free reign. He has a leash that goes forever. There is no pullback on that leash. He can do whatever he wants. Wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. He didn't get away with it with Kevin Durant when they went through championships in a row. Because someone really to adapter Kevin Durant. But these guys let him do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, wherever. He wants, as is his coach. Who of course says that the Memphis player crossed the line. The Memphis player broke the code. Meanwhile, his guy yanks a guy down, whacks him in the face, gets booted out of the game, and doesn't get suspended. And Brooks does get suspended. We'll get to that in a minute. So This has nothing to do with race. It's about respect. And what he did yesterday to Chris Russo was a total lack of respect and a total lack of knowledge. He was comparing apples to oranges. One thing had nothing to do with the other. And making this connotation that had something to do with race or analogizing it to Fox News was completely out of line. Just trying to make a name for himself by going after the old guy. Acted like a punk. Do your homework understand what you're talking about, and show a little goddamn respect. There's several
0: different, I think, categories to this that each can have their own argument or discussion, I guess, if you will. One would be the play of guys like Draymond, Chris Paul, those types of guys in the NBA that are just kind of dirty, scumbaggy players sometimes, where if they're on your team, you love having them because of how they play. But if they're playing against you, you hate it because they can be dirty. And
1: people say, you know what, we Draymond's got to Draymond's never going to change. He is not going to change, especially now. In the world that we were in, it, This the media frenzy world with the podcasts and with the here and now, and we want to hear what everybody's got to say immediately, the instant reaction. That's perfect for him. He'll be on TNT, okay, in with Kenny and in with Shaq and with Chuck. And in with Bernie, he'll be the next guy in or when Chuck retires. He'll be the the next guy in, absolutely, positive. He'll make make a ton of money doing that. That'll be wildly popular. Good for him. He's capitalizing on all of it. But the bullshit on the court grows tiresome. He turns it into a clown shop.
0: Right. I think it's perfectly acceptable to strongly dislike the way they can play basketball sometimes. Because they try to get every edge, every bullshit, not a follow, but kind of is every advantage to that. And everybody's played against people like this, you know, practice. There's a the guy tugging your Jersey behind you while you're trying to get a rebound. Nobody could see it, but you could obviously feel it. Those guys that know how to get away with murder without actually getting a follow called against them. Chris Paul has perfected having a guy bait him a little bit on defense. And as soon as he reaches his arm in front of the ball, he immediately jumps up to shoot for a foul. Then they call oh, it every
1: time. And Chris Paul is the Ric Flair of the NBA. He's the dirtiest player in the game. Yeah. Woo!
0: James Harden made a living on knowing when a foul was going to be called on a shot. And then they changed the rule, and he complained about that. Well, now I'm not getting that call that I built half my career on getting followed at the three-point line, doing my little dance, making sure I shoot when somebody's about to follow me. Trey Young had the Kick same problem.
1: His leg, kicking his legs out into guy's crotches. Right.
0: And the officials right. are finally like, that's enough. We're not calling this anymore. Play better basketball. So they can play turn, that.
1: Turning the, turn the corner, putting his elbow in a guy's face. Right. It's amazing what he gets away with for a guy his size.
0: We'll get to that too, how he has not shown up at all for the 76ers without Joel Embiid. So there's that portion of the argument. Of course, hate how they play because they play dirty. And if they're not on your team, you're going to hate it every time it happens. So there's that one portion where I completely agree with. I don't enjoy that. They play basketball that way. Now, conversely, can they play basketball that way? Can they be vocal? Can they be complaining to the officials? Yeah, go ahead. That's who they are. You don't have to like that, but you don't have to say they shouldn't be able to do so. Of course. Say whatever you like to say, have passion. But if I'm a fan, I can hate that you're doing it because I'm rooting for the other team. It makes complete sense. That's in all sports. There's guys that do this across every sport that you watch professionally. If they're not on your team, you think what an asshole that guy is trying to get then, the advantages. We've like
1: always that. talked about the guys that you love them if you're your if they're yours, you hate them if you don't. Absolutely, Pat and Beverly's that's all well and good. But the point is, again. He was talking about this is some kind of uncalled for, unqualified, how dare you racist remark. And that is a reflection on me. Because in no way, shape, or form was said that way or meant that way. Because it applies, like I said, Luka Doncic never shuts up. Every time he bitches when he gets called for a foul, and always fouls. Bill Lambert was the dirtiest player in the game. All he ever did is bitch. We didn't like those guys either. At least I didn't like those guys either. You know, in terms of the way they conduct themselves. Luke is a great player. I can't stand the fact that he never stops pitching. It's got nothing to do with what color he is. It's got nothing to do with Draymond Green's color. It's got nothing to do with anybody's color. It's conducting yourself like a prop. You can bitch, you can complain, but it's incessant, it's all the time. And it's from a player who is always in the middle of something. It's a player who's always kneeing guys, who's always elbowing guys, who's always yanking guys, who's getting flagrant twos, and yet he's always bitching.
0: I think what ended up happening, and as I said, we know Chris Russo, and it doesn't matter that we know him personally, we know him from how he is as a radio talk show host. He's been doing it for almost four decades. We've listened to his show before. We know how he goes on rants. We know points that he tries to make. We know when he's poking fun at his bosses, maybe not telling the whole story about what's actually going on behind the scenes. The listeners Indeed. hear one thing. What's actually <laughs> happening is a little different. That's He's been we doing cite, that his whole career We
1: cite last week as a perfect example.
0: He's been doing that his entire career, which I get a kick out of. I think J.J. was thinking that him not liking Draymond's antics on the court was also encapsulating him not liking Draymond, being vocal on a podcast, vocal after the game, speaking out uh, for and against players, for and against the game, saying his pieces on TNT and speaking his mind. I think he put that all under one umbrella, and I don't think that's what Chris Russo was getting at. I would side with you where he's just not liking the antics as a fan, not necessarily saying a player shouldn't be allowed to show their emotions or be who they are on the floor. I don't want to speak for either of them, but that's just kind of what I took from it, where I don't think Chris meant any harm by what he was saying. There's some things I like about what JJ said, where sometimes people do live too much in the past and they don't necessarily like today's game, but that's to each their own. That's fandom. You're not going to like certain players. You're not going to like certain teams. You're not going to like how certain guys act just because of how you want to root for a team and a specific player. That's one side of the coin, the other side can be you're perfectly fine with them doing those things. And I think putting all of that under one umbrella wasn't necessarily the right way to view that
1: situation. He himself in incredibly disrespectful fashion. He was antagonistic. He was literally talking down to Rousseau in a fashion that I took affront to because, again, he's talking about people like me. He's talking about people of my—when I say like me, I mean of my age— of my thought process about, you know, I I don't care. you don't care. you don't care what... We still pay the money, by the way. We still pay the money for the cable bills. We still pay the money for the tickets. We're the ones that drives the engine. Not you, buddy. You talk. Your playing days are over. You don't drive anything. You go on TV and you give us some analysis and you yak away. That's great. Just like any other talk, you, you, any any other you know former athlete, you know better than them. You are know different than them. You're the JJ Redick Dookie that we all hated when you were there, except you of course. And now you think you're better than everybody else. And like I said, you're a smart kid, and you say a lot of stuff that I agree with. But the point is this: don't make it all like you're better than anybody else, and don't make it all like you know what's going on now is so much better than what on what than what on then than what the, the game was then. And that the players now are so much more important than they were then. Those players were important to me because I watched them. I admired them. They built this game for you. And if you have no respect for them at all, then you have no respect for people like me. And I'm twice your age and I've been working my whole life. Right, And I have a lot of respect for the guys who get to where they got by working so hard and are so incredibly talented. So I'll be damned if some punk like you is going to tell me you got no respect or don't care about those players and this fan and fans like me. Fuck you. Come get some. I mean, who are you kidding? What do you get off? Because you played at Duke and, and your, your, your numbers up in the rafters, that little band box. And you played in the NBA forever because you could knock down three pointers. Like I said, that line wasn't there. You'd have been in the league for about three weeks. So you can take a powder, young man, learn some respect, plain and simple. Know what you're talking about before you start talking.
0: Well, and you also can't have the right discussion for a topic like that in the time allotted for the platform that you're speaking on. Look, we've been talking about this now going on 20 minutes. And it took us this long to kind of get to a conclusion on things. When you have one or two minutes on a television show before they want to switch topics or throw it a break or throw it a Stephen A. so he could yell whatever he's going to yell about next, you don't have enough time to get a rebuttal, a retort. Chris Russo didn't get time to respond to what J.J. Reddick said. And J.J. Reddick is responding to a one or two minute rant that Chris Russo is going on and forming his opinion just based on that. I mean, you need a different platform and enough time to be able to throw around your complete ideals on the situation, not just a one or two minute sound clip. And that's what it turned into. It's going around social media. It's just a minute and a half, two minutes of J.J. Reddick's response to what Chris Russo said. And you don't hear what Chris Russo said in full leading into J.J.'s response. And there's no rebuttal on the other side because he didn't give Mad Dog any time to interject or anything. He said his piece, and then I'm sure they moved on. But the clip gets cut off. We only have two minutes and 20 seconds on Twitter to see something happen. So you can't really judge somebody either in a one- or two-minute sound clip. And I love J.J. Reddick, but first take isn't going to have him long on the program very much because he, when he hears Stephen A's rants and raves and debate topics and stuff he's just throwing at the wall because it's going to cause people to go nuts – He's the first one to kind of look at him and say, what the hell are you talking about, man? (laughs) You know, he was saying the other day he wants to trade LeBron James from the Lakers. And he's looking at him like, do you hear yourself? He's not one to be on that show like a Skip Bayless or a Max Kellerman that's going to play into these stupid proposals and rebut them with, can you believe you're saying this? Here's my take. And before you know it, there's veins popping out of their neck. They're screaming at each other. And we could get a couple clips on the internet. He's looking for logic responses, long-form answers, typical to what he does on his own podcast. And now he's thrown into this firestorm that is Stephen A. Smith's show, is $12 million a year show at that, and has to answer to whatever he's throwing at the wall and what the producers want to talk about for that day.
1: It's a very different world problem. in the morning. Here's here's the problem. First of all, you know, as we said many times, that show should be called Worst Take instead of First Take. But you know, more important, he is a bright kid he should know better. He's a grown-up. He's very bright. He's well-read. He knows or, or, or should know the landscape. And if he can't figure out what Chris Russo was saying based upon what's out there in the environment, and then, then he's blind. You know, if, he, he, if he doesn't understand that there are lots of people out there who don't like the antics, it's fine if he likes them. I have no problem with it. It's his opinion. Well entitled to it. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody. But the point is, to turn it into a racist allegation is just complete madness. It's improper. It's uncalled for. And there was no basis for it at all. It was him totally misreading the situation. One had nothing to do with the other. And to try and turn it into that was totally improper, was totally disrespectful. And the way he said it, the attitude with which, again, the attitude with which he said it was this holier-than-thou, I'm better than you, you how dare you, you old man, kind of approach. And I just thought it was incredibly improper. I thought it was uncalled for. I thought it was way, way, way off base. Again, it, you know, th- this wasn't some you know, throw it up against the wall and see if it sticks position that Chris was taking. It was not an uncommon one in terms of the mindset with respect to one Draymond Green and those who play like him. So to turn it into you know, a Laura Ingram Fox Analogy. Sorry, you, you need to more. You, you, need, you need to be a lot more thoughtful than that, especially if you're going to be on the airwaves, especially on that show. In this day and age, with Twitter and the instant reactions, etc., etc., etc. If you're who, you, if you're who you say you are, I expect better from you. If you were I thought you were, I expect better from you.
0: For more J.J. Reddick, check out the old Man in the Three podcast. J.J., if you want to sponsor our show, get in touch with us. Be glad to have you on board. And I think you can can hear Chris Russo now. Chris Russo's got his own podcast, The Mad Dog's Daily Bite. You can check that out on SiriusXM. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. To the actual games from the NBA playoffs, as they say, a series doesn't start until a home team loses. That hasn't happened in two of the series as the Suns are up 2 0 against the Mavericks, the Heat are up 2 0 against the Sixers without Joel Embiid. Golden State and Memphis tied 1 1. Golden State stealing a game in Memphis. And the Bucs tied with the Celtics 1-1 with Milwaukee stealing a game in Boston. Have these series gone the way you thought they would to this point? Two 2-0s and then a 1-1 scenario when the better team, in a sense for some people, has been
1: the away team in those series. Well, let's start with the easy ones. Absolutely Miami and Philadelphia. No doubt about it. I mean, without Embiid, Philly is a tough road to hoe. That's number one. And number two, you know, Philly does not have uh, – uh, uh, look, I give Frank Ayasola all the credit. He's the one who made the remark. Is Philadelphia going to get the James Harden of old or an old James Harden? And so far, everything we've seen leads us to believe they got an old James Harden. You know, with a hamstring, he can't blow by – well, you He's getting old. And even though he could beat guys to the rim with his strength and his length, he has now played more regular season games than Magic Johnson. He's played more regular season games than Larry Bird. He's getting older. And remember, the game is officiated much differently. He doesn't get to throw himself into people and fall down and go to the foul line 14 times a game. And it's showing. And he's getting older. He's having trouble beating people to the bat, to the basket. The step back three is not as deadly as it used to be. Forget about the fact that he's been a gagger in the playoffs for the bulk of his career in the biggest of spots. He's had his moments, but we know he's really never gotten it done in the big spot from day one against Syracuse in the NCAA tournament playing for Arizona state. And he's played his way out of playoff situations in terms of the teams where he turned into a dog, he turned into a dog in Houston, he turned into a dog in Brooklyn, and now supposedly he's where he wants to be, and he's not getting it done. He can't carry them. You know, they, they need him to go for, I'm not going to say 50 or 45, but you know, they need the James Harden of old. They need you know, 32 and, and 15. And he's he's, he's not close. Al, how about just shoot the ball, man?
0: Let's get to that point. Even if you don't get the points that we're looking for, shoot the ball. You can't be going into these games in the second half, throwing up four shots, five shots. You got to be shooting the ball. Six for and 15 and contrib- five for 13, game two and game one
1: respectively. They're getting, they're getting contributions from Maxi they get a contribution from Harris last night. Yes, they're, they're without the, without, they're without my MVP. Their MVP certainly, and who I think should have won the MVP. And it's a huge void, but this is what you got James Harden for, you know, to be the second guy. And right now he's just a guy. It's not close. So this series isn't close. And, yeah, you know, gentlemen sweep. I don't know if it's going to be a gentleman sweep. I don't know if it's going to be a sweep. But to me, uh, this series looks like it's over early. Golden State, excuse me, uh, Phoenix and uh, uh, Dallas. Dallas can't stop them. You know, all the time they play better without Luka. I hate to say it, but you you can't play iso ball. It didn't work with the Nets, and it's not going to work with Dallas against the best team in the West. Or, you know, Lucas got the ball for 18 seconds and, you know, he passes it or puts up a step back or goes to the rack. Nobody else is involved. When he wasn't there, I hate to say it, but more guys were involved. You know, and now you see him putting up his huge numbers, but very little movement on offense, very little easy shots for other guys and total inability to stop phoenix which is tough enough to do anyway because you know phoenix is a very good team with weapons galore paul's playing magnificent obviously you know we know that the two guard is a top five or top six player i mean he is you know absolutely positively magnificent and looks like he's healthy again which is huge uh, the big guy, Aiton, is solid in the middle. Bridges gives them that little bit of everything on the offensive end that you need, where he doesn't need the ball. He spots up, he goes to the basket, he runs the court, the ball moves, he's a brilliant defender, and then you get Crowder, who's you know, their version of Draymond Green. Not quite with the skill set term you know, as, as a passer, but he's the agitator. Uh, he'll knock down more threes than Green will. Uh, He'll spot up a lot more than Greenwood, but he's not the pass of the Greens, but he's a rebounder, run the court, defend, and drive everybody else nuts. And a deep bench, which uh, is young and healthy and a little bit of everything. Uh, You know, with our old guy, Jerome McHugh who's been playing very well, and Johnson, you know, from North Carolina, who's been playing very well. Uh, So they're deep, they're healthy, they can score a multitude of ways, and this team, when Luca is out there, they just find him, and they isolate him, whether it's in pick and rolls. I mean, he looked like, like he was chasing literally a greased pig around last night. I mean, Chris Paul was blown by him like he was standing still, and that's not when he was out 30 feet from the basket. I mean, he's in the lane, and he's just flailing away at Chris Paul, who walks by him. Uh, Luca just doesn't get a ton on the defensive end. You talk about all-time great players. You know, Nick Wright's already got him, you know, in that group, which is ridiculous. We love Nick. But it, Luca is he's a statue on defense. You know, he, he can't guard anybody. Can't guard a statue. Wonderful offensive player. Wonderful skill set. But, you know, the greats of all time, again, old report time, not that old, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, LeBron James in his prime. Big-time defenders, tremendous defenders. Magic Johnson, okay defender, good team defender. Same thing with Larry Bird. This guys he's not even close to being a mediocre defender of any kind. And it kills them. I I mean, it really hurts them. And you watch them against the Suns, and the Suns are scoring at will. So, to me, that series is over. Maybe... Maybe they get one in Dallas, and now we get to the two series that are of note. First of all, I want your impression on what's going on with the physicality with Memphis and Golden State, as well as Draymond Green getting kicked out and getting the flagrant two and not getting suspended, and their guy, Brooks, getting the flagrant two and getting suspended.
0: Yeah, the physicality has been crazy in that series. Maybe it's under a little bit of a microscope because of whom it was about. Obviously, anytime Draymond gets into a scuffle, that's going to be front-page news, and of course it was. The foul to me on Brooks, I understand the letter of the law where they have to call that because he hit his head. It really just looked like he was going for the block and he just missed. I think the suspension is a little bit too much. Again, I understand the rule. I think it can be taken a little bit too severe. I know why they have it. I get why it's called. You don't want people messing with people's heads.
1: I get it. Well, let me ask you this. How much of a mindset do you have that a flagrant two should not just include intense, but recklessness? Because... That was, I don't think he was trying to hurt him. Yeah. I don't think he was trying to, in way, shape, or form, knock him off his feet. But I thought it was a dirty play because it was reckless. Guys up in the air, right. if you're going to take that kind of swing with a guy up, and look, I understand they're flying now. He's going top speed. But this has got to be you know, the notion of the way the game is played and your approach at all times. You go hard, you go aggressively, and then there's that fine line of being reckless. And I thought it was a reckless swing at the ball. Yeah. Where it was just this on the dead run, as hard as I can whack at it, all right, from way back, not just a reach, but a, a you know, a hatchet job where, you know, he totally misses him. He gets him across the face and he's up in the air now. It's not that the guy's down. Up in the air, also going full speed, and very prone to serious injury. Which well, and, is and, and there up, was, and I don't think which, it which helps. Is what, which, is, which is what he wound up. Solving. Yeah,
0: I don't and think then, it helps. He's out what three weeks now with with the. Uh, but but shoulder. how
1: much of how much do you Humbo. impute recklessness when you're judging uh, on on the two?
0: Yeah, I think that does make sense the recklessness of a play. And I think the end result, unfortunately in these situations also plays a part in it.
1: Well, well, we didn't, we didn't know he was, you know, how bad he was hurt when he was up for the game. Do you think the suspension was part and parcel of the injury? If he's, if he's going to be back for game three, is he suspended?
0: I think the injury often does play a part in it. Yes. I think that's the case with, with most things with fights, And with fouls, I think the end result is also put into discussion when it comes to suspensions or having to sit for a game or fines. I don't know if it necessarily should be, but I guess it's it's just human nature sometimes to look at. you know. For example, Jawan Howard slaps a guy in the face. Okay, he gets five games. Well, what if he punched the guy in the face and he broke his orbital bone like Joel Embiid? Would it have just been five games or would have you thrown him out for the rest of the season? I think the end result is definitely in play with these. And I think Gary Payton now being out with an elbow injury is, is part of it. It's like, well, hey, look, not only were you reckless, look, we also did. Maybe now, if he was coming back, he would have not been suspended in
1: the next game. Next question. Is that the rationale for him getting suspended and Draymond not getting suspended?
0: Probably has something to do with it, definitely. I think who it was in it being Draymond was a quick whistle to throw him out. It is surprising that it didn't lead to him missing a game. And, you know, it might have had something to do with him getting suspended for a game. We harken back to one NBA finals. And maybe them thinking, well, we don't want that to happen again. Look at the backlash now, we got and, for and that. Now, They're still talking about it.
1: Now, since we're going to that series and we're on Draymond and we've been on him for a chunk of the show, this is another thing to remember about the way he plays. Right. Draymond now is one more flagrant two away from being suspended for a game. Yep. So it's not just a question of getting kicked out of a game. It's not just a question of a technical foul. It's a question of being out of the next game. And they are in a dogfight in this series. And if they move on, they will be in a dogfight next series. Absolutely. So he can he can ill afford to not be available to his team in this series, or next, or the next. So now he's got to mind his P's and Q's a little more. Absolutely. And, you know, I think
0: there might have been something for Dylan Brooks where in game two, maybe the officials are thinking, we got to put a stop to all this because this is going to keep happening the rest of the series. Draymond, Dylan Brooks, there were other instances in both games, hard fouls. Maybe they just thought, all right, we have to stop this now. And if we suspend him for a game, With all the different things that went into it, maybe this will stop anything more serious from happening as the series goes on. I think a lot goes into these things. It's not just never is black and white. Of course not. But that's going to be something to keep an eye on because you're right. Draymond has to, I don't want to say relax, but you got to watch.
1: You're going to be at home, which is going to have have to to tone it down. He's going to have to turn it back he's going to have to avoid putting himself in a position where the referee has the opportunity to give him a flagrant two. Right. He's in a fine line. Now it's not just a question of being kicked out of the game.
0: Now for the series as a whole, John Morant dropping 47 or 48, 47, eight and eight and 47. golden States splash brothers having one of the worst shooting performances you'll see, especially from three and them just losing by five, I mean, it would lead you to believe once Golden State goes home, they'll take those two games, I'm assuming, right? One should never assume, but lightning striking again with Ja having a game like that, and them also shooting so poorly, one would think Golden State will take home court once they get back there.
1: This is an interesting series to me because... Memphis plays these wild games where they seem to manage no matter what the circumstances to be in a one or two possession game with a couple minutes to go, regardless of the circumstances, whether they're way ahead, whether they're way behind, you know, down in the fourth quarter, they rally back at home on the road. I think they're a difficult matchup for Golden State because they play fast. They play relentless. They don't slow down. They're young. Young, not young. I mean, the youngest team in the league. Uh, player away. They have a player. Should, I, I think they don't. Some wild stat I heard that they don't have a player who scored this year who's over 26. Is that possible? Is that possible? Could be possible. It, it, I mean, the you know, Lakers don't have a player who scored who's under 26. <laughs> uh, I'm being facetious. But th- the point is, they're they're very young. They are precocious to say the least brooks is their guy brooks is their dog brooks is their guy their their dynamic defender who plays tenacious who is not afraid you know, to go at people obviously getting himself a flagrant 2 and kicked out of game 3 and morant is wildly inconsistent but incredibly spectacular i mean the two foot dunks uh, that, that's what gets me. The, the dunks where he takes off off at two feet are extraordinary. Absolutely. extraordinary. How
0: far he brings the ball back. Like that's, you shouldn't be able to do that. Just standing still. And he's doing it about to dunk over a guy. It's incredible. And like Golden now, State doesn't have, you know, there's no Aiton. Well, I mean, who, who's lucky enough to have one. But there's no Giannis, there's no Joel Embiid, there's no inside presence where if you can't shoot, you could just throw it down into the post and get a couple easy baskets. I we mean, know Golden State's. We know Golden State's going to shoot better. We would assume at home. We hope. I mean, what, what was Clay two for twelve from three? Wiggins He's was like there. one He's for been seven. Very up and down. I mean, the He's defense on Clay has been great, as you were just talking about. But he he was just stop shooting, man. <laughs> at some point, pass the ball. You got pool now that could score. Do something mm-hmm. with
1: it. This is an incredibly interesting series. I would There'd not be. be shocked if it went back to Memphis two-two. I would not be shocked. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. One now more it's bad tough road to home. Sure. Exactly. Going to be a tough road to home. You know, with Brooks missing game three because that's big for them. Uh, but I could see Memphis finding a way to get back home, two-two. Now I still think Golden State's going to win the series, but you know I don't think it's going five. I think it's going. I think it's going to go at least six.
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills he's al renato i'm john lund we'll be right back with the new report old report here on sports radio america we welcome you back i'm john lund he's al renato and this is the new report old report
1: back east we've got the series that we all thought would be the series uh, milwaukee takes game one in boston rather easily boston comes right back and you know, In game one, Boston shoots 50 threes, 50. Doesn't shoot him very well. Milwaukee plays terrific defense. Giannis does not have a great game, shooting-wise. Shoots about 35%, but they get the contributions from everybody else. Remember, they're without Middleton, which is big. My guy, Holiday, has a huge game. You know, Lopez, Connady, they get the helpers from the bench, and Grayson Allen. And then game two, Boston comes out at home, shoots the lights out. And Milwaukee goes three for 18 from three. And Giannis has another terrible game in terms of, uh, you know, shooting percentage. She's only shooting 35% in this series. So you're starting to wonder now, this is two games after they really made things difficult on Durant. You know, when he tried to get to the basket in from outside, it's one, one, which is where Milwaukee wanted to be going home. But when are we going to see the Giannis we're used to seeing? I'm not saying we won't, but he's had two subpar performances. This is not when he usually, because in the playoffs in the past, he's gotten better right, as, as the playoffs have developed and moved along. And he has not been the Giannis we're used to seeing in these first two games, especially in game two. Game one, he was effective rebounding, blocking shots, assists, didn't shoot it well. And game two, he was a little—I hate to use the term—he's a little soft inside. He's still bigger than all those guys, and you know he's got to realize he doesn't have to you know, take the fade away. He doesn't have to, you know, pull up when he's in traffic, get in the paint, take the jump hook. All right, you're bigger than everybody else out there. Get the jump hook, jump hook off. Nobody's going to block it. Going over your left shoulder. Um, you know, get to the foul line. You know, get going on the break. Uh, but. I picked the Bucs in six, and I'm going to stick with it. I don't know how it's going to go Um, in terms of, do I think the Bucs are going to win both these games at home? They're not great at home. They lose at home at times. And the Celtics are feisty. The Celtics had a terrific year. The Celtics are not afraid of anybody. Uh, I just don't think the Celtics are going to be able to continue to shoot the threes to that extent to win four games out of seven. So that's why I picked the Bucks in six, and that's why I'm sticking with it. I don't think the Bucs will go three for eighteen again from three, and I don't think the Celtics will shoot it from fifty, shoot percent from three again. And I think when you mix those things in over the long haul, and the fact you've got the best player, who's not just you know the Luka Doncic style best player, he is. Oh, well, you you could argue that you Luka's not the best player in that series. You could argue that Book is. But the point is, Giannis does so many things. It's not just the scoring. Obviously, it's the rebounding at both ends. It's the block shots. It's the dish. You know, when the double teams come, he uh, has more of an impact on the game than anybody else. So when you got him and you're the champs and you got home court, uh, I still got to stick with the Bucks. I said in six to start, I'm not going to waver from that.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you. And it's funny, you would think the Bucks heading home, You just pencil in those two wins but as you said sometimes they don't always play great at home that should be an advantage to them for the Boston shooting the lights out in the wins that they've had that could be what knocks that number down a little bit and I don't know how you don't trust Giannis to find a way he hasn't played great basketball flip the switch get a little bit better if he does in those two games you're heading back to Boston up 3-1. you got to feel good about yourself, and you're keeping your fingers crossed still. Chris Middleton comes back. He's definitely out for games 3 and 4. He was supposed to be out this whole series. We'll see if maybe he can get back for game 6 if possible, but you have to assume he's not going to play. i like the Bucks to win 2 at home, but as we just said about the Golden State Memphis series, it wouldn't shock me if this went back to Boston 2-2 either, just based on how Boston can shoot the lights out. And if they're able to contain Giannis one more time, you're going to get yourself a win. So definitely those two series are going to be exciting. Whether or not they end up going shock is one thing, but we know this from watching the postseason. The longer these series go, man, you're more susceptible to having one of your star players get injured. You're more susceptible to having things just go wrong, fatigue. You want to get these wins when you can. And long series, especially this early, it only being the second round, never bode well when you might be looking at two other opponents either sweeping or gentlemen sweeping and putting their feet up waiting for the conference finals to come around
1: you got to take care of business when you can and meanwhile you know we don't talk about them much but they're the one seed and they've got the big advantage of the what's turned out to be the easy side of the bracket with Atlanta and now a uh, and 76 squad give me your thoughts on the heat and you know tyler don't be a hero and you know jimmy butler and who's going to give it to us this night and heat culture as they roll along up 2-0 do you give them a chance not just a puncher's chance, do you give them a legitimate chance knowing that they have home court throughout in the East to go to the finals?
0: For whatever reason, the Miami Heat that didn't show up to play the Lakers in the bubble still is resonating with me. And it still is a little shocking. Like, wow, the Heat are up 2-0 against the Sixers. Handedly. Like They weren't even close those two games, which you would assume would be the case. But for them to actually go out and do it is still surprising to me. I have a hard time Giving the heat and the credit. First of all, Tyler Hero, won comeback player of the year, or sixth man of the year, really? Kevin Love is over there in Cleveland on his last leg, trying to make the Cavaliers relevant, revamping his game after he had to call it quits and wasn't even sure if he was going to come back, and they gave it to Tyler Hero, who's like 16 years old. Come on.
1: Well, he was the sixth man of the year. Come on. Give it he to Kevin Love.
0: Man. Give him something.
1: And, and, and I love Kevin Love. I always was wanting him to be a Laker. I,
0: I I as well. Tyler Hero has certainly Ty, improved this year. It was Tyler fun. Hero
1: was Tyler Hero was the sixth man of the year.
0: He, It was fun. Again, getting to poke fun at him in the bubble after he did the little snarl and then you yes. he didn't hear from him the entire finals. What happened, bro? Playing in front of these that ghosts was, of the was, stands. That Where was
1: that was the Laker defense which we no longer have. Those were the days. Those were, those were the Laker defenders that are now literally all gone. Yeah. Those are the days. Paul, all right. Caruso gone.
0: we like like Green and Archie gone. singing the song. Those were the days because they got rid of the entire team. He did. I guess you can't count them out. But as you say, like if there's a game where Jimmy Butler is held in check, who's going to be your next guy consistently? If Tyler hero can't shoot. So it all falls on bam Adebayo. He's, he's got to score 20 and 10. Like, it just seems like who I like, have, who I like a lot. I do too. And I, another guy I would love to have, oh. but how about Victor Oladipo still being in the league? By the way, people might not, not even realize he's also on the heat folks. So they have him coming off the bench. I guess they have more people I would think, or less people. I should say that if you stop them, who else is going to beat you? You know, you stop those two guys and you just assume, aren't. I think
1: they have a chance against the Celtics, a legitimate chance. I don't think they can beat the Bucks. I think they're too small. For, they're, they're just too small for the Bucks. Yeah, I agree with that. It would make sense. Celtics, series. Celtics, Celtics series Either way, but yeah, Celtics, Celtics. They can play with. Maybe. I don't think they can play with the Bucks. They just Giannis is too Giannis is too big for them. Giannis Lopez is just too much size.
0: One baseball thought to end the show, and we will get to baseball, folks. It's our favorite sport. We just have to get through these NBA playoffs slog before we get to talk that for like a week or two before football returns. And that becomes the talking point, of course. How about this for tonight before we recorded this show? The Mets were down 7-1 heading into the ninth. And normally, you would think to change the channel, as one Allen White Plains indeed did to watch some playoff hockey. They scored seven runs in the top of the ninth to come back and beat the Phillies 8-7. Prior to tonight, the Mets had lost their last 330 games over the last 25 seasons when trailing by six runs or more, entering the final frame.
1: They are now 1-330. Which, by the the way, is not surprising. Yeah,
0: it's not (laughs) easy to do in the first place. But then, yeah, it's the Mets. You crack a couple jokes. They're now 1-330 because they came back to beat the Phillies. They're having quite the season under one Buck Showalter and a team that when we do really dive into baseball will most likely be atop the NL East. I don't want to jinx the Mets, but, hey, they're playing great.
1: We we said off the air, we'll get into it more in the coming weeks, but Buck has been the perfect fit. He has been the guy who's come in and cleaned up the mess. Because he's incredibly organized, great intention, great, great attention to detail. And Steve Cohen has basically turned it over to Buck. And it's Buck's show. And so far, no pun intended. Uh so far so good. They are playing great baseball. They are getting it from all corners of the roster. Starters, bench, stars, middling players, supporting cast, utility guys. And remember, this is all without Jake at the ground. They got the fire and they got the ice. They brought them both in. The fire, of course, is their Hall of Fame-to-be pitcher who is getting kicked out of games from the bench. Max Scherzer rooting on his teammates, and Buck Walter is the ice. Buck Walter is cool, calm, collected, everything under control. Uh And it's been a a perfect mix for them so far. And I'm happy for Mets fans because it's been a train wreck for years under uh, the nightmare ownership, uh, uh, you know, father and son, uh, the Wilpons. And that dog and pony show is finally gone. And uh, Steve, don't call me Bobby Axelrod. Uh, Mr. Billions is in control, and he's putting all the right people in control. And Buck Showalter is... uh, but really got his hand all over this squad. They're under his control. And I mean that literally, and it shows they're playing baseball. Hate to use the term, but they're playing baseball the right way.
0: It's old school, which is exactly what Buck Showalter wanted when he took the managerial job. Let me manage. And the Mets are shockingly in major league baseball because this doesn't happen letting him manage he doesn't have his nerds upstairs or his binders or his sabermetrics just manage the game of baseball that you've been around for your entire life and look stealing, base, success, stealing bases imagine stealing bases and he doesn't bunting. have to worry about switching pitchers double switches am I going to pinch it for my pitcher here do you think
1: anybody's telling buck
0: what to do it doesn't seem like it and what do you think he would say back to them You've him in the dugout. You've watched him on the yes network. We've heard from him for decades. What do you think he'd say? Get fucked. I'm Buck. <laughs> Print the shirts. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week.
1: Always great to be with my man, the great John Tiny Lund, folks. Until next week, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. from White Plains. Enjoy. The hockey playoffs. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. Enjoy the baseball. Everybody stay safe and have a great sports weekend, everybody.
0: We'll be back at 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well, or find us on the Tune In app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.